all of God's people said? Amen. You know, someone asked me what would I miss most uh, in not being active in the pastorate again. This is it right here. To, uh, to be able to dedicate little babies, watch them grow, baptize them, watch them grow, get married, have children, and then their children are dedicated. That's what I can miss most, more than anything else. Precious kids, amen? Amen. Well, it's our joy today to do a baby dedication. And as I said, this is always a special joy on my part. I love to do this part of it and wish we had more time to preach at a, at a time like this, but we don't. So I'll just read the passage of scripture, the psalm that we normally do on this occasion because I think it's so fitting. You know it well, Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. This is a fantastic passage of scripture and tells us of the involvement of God in giving us children. It is God who places children in families. Amen? And we need to thank God for the way he places us in families. There's so many young people who don't like the family they have. But you have to remember, it is God who placed you there. And we need to thank God for that. Amen? Well, let me give you the names of the individuals, the little one who's to be dedicated today. And by the way, here at Calvary Bible Church, we dedicate babies. We do not baptize them. All right? We do not believe that baptism in any way places a child into the family of God. We believe that one comes into the family of God only in one way, and that's through personal faith in Christ. Faith alone in Christ alone, that is how a person enters into the family of God. But yet this is still an important event for the families, especially for the parents, because the parents are publicly stating the fact that they believe that their child is a gift from God. And they are thankful to God for that. And their desire now is to bring this little one up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That also means that we as God's people here have a responsibility to support them, to pray for them, and to be there to help them to do the work that God has called them to do. Amen? All right. The child's name is Hunter Cruz MacArthur Miller. Did you get that? You need a tape recorder to remember it. Hunter Cruz MacArthur Miller. Born August the 31st, 2012. Father's, the father is Montgomery Miller. The mother is Petrell Miller. And so we're so thankful we're going to ask Montgomery and Petrell now to come up at this time and bring little Hunter Cruz MacArthur with him. Now, those of you family members who are here to stand with them, would you mind standing at this time so we could recognize you as well? All right, you're here to show support for the family, and we thank God for that. Now, remember, now other churches say that when you come to stand and they call you Godfather, Godmother, now spiritually speaking, the way they teach it is you're responsible for the spiritual welfare of this person until they come a certain age. Here we say that all you need to do to fulfill that is to buy this little one presents on his birthday every year. If you don't do that, you will be disavowed, disavowed as of now. Thank you very much. Let's give them a present. Right. Okay. The meaning of hunter. It's an old English word, and it means that hunter. The spiritual connotation that we have put to this particular meaning is a pursuer of righteousness, one who hunts after righteousness. The life verse that we've chosen is Proverbs 21, 21. 
He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness and honor. That's Proverbs 21, 21. He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness and honor. His other name, Cruz, is the Portuguese name, actually means cross. And so the spiritual characteristic suggested here is a committed follower of Christ. The emphasis is on committed because it's cross, right? The verse here is Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Committed follower of Christ, Cruz. The last name, MacArthur. This is a Scottish, and actually, it's also an Irish, I think. But the name is the same. The meaning is the same. It actually means son of Arthur. Son of Arthur. Now, I hope that's not... Uh, no, I wouldn't get another one. <laughs> but Arthur, in this context, actually means a person who is strong. A powerful, strong leader. So... What we've done as a spiritual characteristic here is, the meaning is a true child of God. And the verse that we've chosen is 1 John 3, actually two verses. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed in him purifies himself just as he is pure. MacArthur, a true child of God. And we trust that each one of you here today is also a true child of God through faith alone and Christ alone. Amen? All right. Let me see if I can hold this fella. I've been trying to gain strength for the past month since they told me about this one. Oh, he's a solid guy here. All right. Would you stand with me, please, as we dedicate Hunter Cruz MacArthur Miller to the Lord. Our Father, it is such a joy, with such joy that we come before you today to dedicate this little precious gift that you have given to Monty and to Petrell. Lord, we thank you for him. Thank you for putting him into this family. And Father, we pray that as he grows up, he might truly fulfill the meaning of his word, to be one who is a pursuer of righteousness, a committed follower of Christ, because he is a true child of God. We pray that he might place his faith in Christ at a very early age. We pray that you might give Monty and Petrell the wisdom, the grace, the patience, the knowledge, all that is necessary to bring this little one up in the way that will honor and glorify God. And so with Thankful hearts today, we dedicate to you now, Hunter Cruz MacArthur Miller. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. Mm. All right. There you go. He's all right. He didn't have that. He didn't have that. Hey, give me five. Give me five. Give me five. All right. There you go, man. Been waiting to do this a long time for these guys. <laughs> this might hurt, it's not safe, but I know that I've gotta make a change. I don't care if I break, at least I'll be feeling something Cause just okay is not enough Help me fight through the nothingness of
Bible tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, in, in lieu of all he's given us, life, breath, and energy to do all the things we go about doing this through the week and everything we do, do we ever really stop to think about we couldn't have this life if he didn't go and give us, die on the cross to give us eternal life, to have a wonderful life that we have, to really enjoy his creation and him in his fullness. So, as we think about that, let's truly praise him for all that he's done for us and all that he will do for us as he's promised us. And so let's stand and sing together, praise Adonai, because he really is worthy of all our praise.
praising God. He's truly worthy to be praised, but why is he worthy to be praised? Let's think about it. He created us. He gave us life. He gave us the ability to enjoy him in all of his fullness. So isn't that something truly to praise him about? And so as we think about God and his ultimate power, we should really focus on the fact that he will reign forever. He reigns forever over all and over all time. And he is truly worthy of all of our praise. So let's sing about his majesty and worship him right now with Forever Rain.
taught the sun where to stand in the morning who told the ocean you can only come this far and you show the moon where to hide till evening whose words alone can catch a falling star well i know my redeemer lives i know my redeemer lives let all creation testify let this
Livingstones. For those that don't know, um, Livingstones will be going on a mission trip um, slash training um, trip to Orlando um, this summer, July 1st. But also they'll be having a concert on May the 24th to raise funds. So after the service, they will be to the back of the, in the foyer um, to sell tickets. So if you'd like a ticket for that, you can see one of the Livingstones members. Let's just look to the Lord in prayer again as we look into his word. Father, again, we just count a privilege to be here. Father, we know that no one is here by mistake. Father, I pray this morning as, Father, as I open up your word, Father, I know that there's nothing in me. And it's only because of you. And Father, I know I have nothing to offer. But Father, I pray that you just speak through me. That it be your words and not my words. And Father, that your word will go forth this morning. Just hide me this morning, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message is Jesus Doesn't Need Fans, But Followers. In 2009, the, Ke- the Cleveland Cavaliers high, high expectations for their NBA season. They had one of the greatest players in the NBA named LeBron James. Also, LeBron James was one of the most loved athletes, according to Sports Business Journal. He was ranked third on the list of that most loved athletes. LeBron James had many fans around the world, but especially in his home state of Ohio. What a difference a year makes. As in 2010, in one of the most quoted lines that we have ever heard in sports, says, I am taking my talents to South Beach. We saw images of people, the same beloved fans in Cleveland, Ohio, burning his jerseys in the streets. Just one year before where they looked at him and said, you know what? We want you to win us this championship. You see, fans are like this. Fans are there when things go the way we want it to go. But when things don't go the way we want it to go, the fans leave. As I said, there were images of people burning his jersey in the streets, calling him different names. The same people that just a year ago loved LeBron. Now it changed their mind. And now they had no longer, they were no longer fans of LeBron. In fact, in 2010, according to Time Magazine, LeBron James was voted the most hated athlete. You see, we need to recognize that fans are there when things go right. But when they don't go the way we wanted to go, fans leave. But first of all, before we look in today's passage, we need to recognize exactly what is a fan. A fan can be described as an admirer, one who knows everything about a person. And we have a lot of people that we are fans of. We know their birthday. We know every movie that they've been in. We know every song that they sing. We know everything about them. But a follower can be described as a person that is truly devoted to a person. When things are good and when things are bad, they truly stick with them even when it may be the unpopular thing to do. Today we hear a lot about following as one social media, Twitter, challenges us to follow people. The question for us this morning is, if Jesus had a Twitter account, how many genuine followers would he have? You see, today I think that we we have a lot of fans of Jesus. As they know the right things to say. They know the right clothes to wear. They have the cool Christian t-shirts. They know what music to listen to. But the question is, how many of us are genuine followers? You see, Jesus had a lot of fans in his day, as we will see in this morning's passage. But he wasn't concerned about the fans. But he was concerned about the genuine followers. Or as you saw in parentheses, the disciples. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you could turn to Luke chapter 14. Verses 25 to 33, and I'm just going to read it, and then we'll break it down this morning. And it says in verse 25, Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, 
whether he had enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes with him against 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sent a delegation and asked for terms of peace. Verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Let's go back to verse 25 and 26. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You see, there were many people that were with Jesus. The crowds were large because they saw the amazing miracles that he had done. They were following him to see what else he was going to do. You see, Jesus had performed many miracles. They wanted to see what else is Jesus going to do, this man going to do. If anyone comes to me. In other words, Jesus is saying he's not just talking to special people like preachers, missionaries, but he's talking to all. Who? Whoever wants to come to me. He is saying that the principle applies to everyone who would be one of his followers. You see, Jesus had the crowd right where he wanted them. You know, he could have said anything at this time, and they probably would have soaked it right up. And we see on television today, when we see these many crowds, the preacher always says the things that the crowd wants to hear. But here it is, Jesus did not do that. Jesus said something that probably would not be the thing you want to say if you want a bigger crowd. He said to them, you must hate your family if you want to be a disciple, a follower of me. And I'm sure of those who were there as just fans probably thought, well, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to go because you know what? I'm not going to hate my family. Now, we are not sure in this particular passage if anyone left, but we do know in John chapter 6, when Jesus, after saying that he was the bread of life, many people grumbled. And some even left because it was too hard. And it says in John chapter 6, verses 67, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus even turned to the twelve and said, Do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, Jesus isn't looking for us this morning to just follow him when things go the way we want it to go. Jesus challenges us in his word to live a life that is different than the world, a life that is hard to live. But we first of all need to understand what exactly did Jesus mean when he said that you must hate your family? Well, he did not mean this literally, to hate your family. But what he meant is that you should be so in love with him that every other relationship should look less than our relationship with others. You see, this morning, we should be so in love with Christ and love Him above everything else that every other relationship does not compare to our relationship with Him. You see, it make, means that it may come times in life when you might have to offend family for the sake of Christ. It means that you might lose family for the sake of Christ. It means that everything else in the world does not matter because you are in love with Christ and Him alone. You see, God doesn't want to share us with no one or anything. So He's making sure that the crowd understands what commitment you are making when you say you want to be a follower of mine. What commitment are you making when you say you are a disciple of His? You see, we must not only love or be committed to Jesus more than our loved ones. But we must also be committed to him above even our own lives, as it says in verse 26. This refers to our physical lives, which we must be willing to surrender for Jesus' sake. It also refers to our self-lives, which means our personal desires, goals, interests, and even needs. You see, on Friday night, I challenged our young people with a, with a particular exercise. Because I think too many times what me and you like to do is we like to go with God to God with our demands. We like to write something on a paper and say, God, this is what I want. Instead of saying, you know what? Sign the bottom of that piece of paper and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. 
You see, we, we like God when he does the things that we, how we want it to go. We are there and we praise God when it goes the way that we want it to go. But the question is, do we praise God in the storm when the storms of life come at us because we are genuinely following him? You see, the question is, how has it come to, as we think of our family, is our love for God so much, so much, do we love God so much that every other relationship doesn't even compare to that? And let me just say this, I'm not talking down to you, I'm, I'm challenging myself this morning as well. Because I think we all need to be challenged with that. Do we love God above everything else? So this is the first thing that Jesus tells that we must do if we want to be a disciple. We must love our families less than we love him. The second thing is this, that Jesus says. Jesus tells them it is a follower must bear his own cross. In verse 27, he says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and comes after me, he cannot be my disciple. What does it mean to bear up his cross? It means, first of all, that a person values what God says above everything else. Being loyal to God at all costs, no matter what, because he is worthy of our love. Obeying him wherever, whenever, or however he leads. We also must remember when we think of a cross, what comes to our mind? Death. You see, me and you need to recognize that we struggle with something every day called sin. We struggle with ourselves every day as well, and we must die to ourselves daily. You know, we must nail ourselves to the cross because you know what? We cannot do this on our own. We need to do it with Christ and let him. David Nasser, an author, says this. It is a call to die. A call to let your selfishness starve to death because you don't feed it. If it won't starve, we have to grab it, our selfishness, by the throat and strangle it. Because Satan is not gentle in dealing with us. We cannot be gentle in dealing with sin. In the place of sin, we put Jesus squarely in the middle of our lives and choose to honor him all day, every day. You see, we must make an effort to carry our cross and die to ourselves because our sin nature is raging every day of our lives. We need to kill it. We need to starve it so that it will diminish. And the only way of doing it is by taking up our cross on a daily basis. I don't know about you, but I'm sure we all are liking here that we struggle with sin every day of our lives. That we must die to ourselves on a daily basis. And that is what Jesus is saying here. We have to carry our cross. We must die to ourselves every day. In verses 20 and 30, Jesus continues on talking about this cost, the price that must be paid as a follower. And he says, For which of you desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost. Whether he has enough to complete it. Verse 29. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. You see, we must count the cost of being a follower of Jesus. It is just like a man before he is going to build something He counts the cost. He makes sure that he can afford to finish it. Because if he can't afford to finish it, he has absolutely nothing to show for it. You see, we have to recognize that this is not something that we just come to lightly. We don't come to Christ lightly. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. I think too many times when people come to know Christ as Savior, they don't really understand what they are doing. Yes, they hear all the benefits. Yes, you're not going to go to hell. That's what we like to tell them. You don't want to go to hell? This is what you need to do. But we only tell them the benefits. And we convert many fans, but not followers. We are just satisfied with them as they accepted Christ as Savior that we don't share the responsibilities of being a child of God. You see, we get so caught up in just saying, you know what, I got this person to come to know Christ. But the question is, how many of us follow up and and, and share with them the responsibilities of being a child of God? This is not an easy task to be a child of God. It's not easy. But you know what? We have to pay a price. Because you know what? Jesus paid a price for us. So what makes us think that we could go about life and just live it the way we want to live it? When Jesus paid the price for us. You see, many fans respond to the message that sounds easy and convincing without really understanding 
the responsibility that comes with being a true follower of Christ. You see, God never told us in the Bible that I read that when we come to know Christ, when we become a follower, that life is going to be easy. But it's quite the opposite. We will suffer. Trials will come in life. But there is good news. The good news is that we can lean on the everlasting arms of God when those trials and struggles come about in life. You see, yes, it's not going to be easy, but we have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords on our side. And that's who we need. That's what we need in our lives. You see, we need to know that we must love Him above everything else. Jesus does not want fans because they come and go, but He wants followers that are going to stick with Him through everything in life. Jesus also wanted to make sure, you know what? If you did not get it the first time in this illustration, the count the cause. I'm going to give you another illustration so that you get it. And we, look at, we see that illustration in verses 31 to 32. And it says, Or oh, what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down and first deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who come against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. You see, again, Jesus is challenging them to count the cost. Because no one goes into a war without a plan. Because if he does, he will be what? Defeated. No one goes into the war with half the men as the other side because they know they don't stand a chance. He makes it clear that it would be wise for the one side with half the men to go try and make peace because the reality of it is they don't stand a chance in this war. John Oros, a church leader in Romania. And this, I just want you to, read, to listen to this. This is what they do in Romania because we know that persecution is so high there. But he said this, During communism, many of us preached. And people came at the end of the service and they said, I have decided to become a Christian. We told them it sounds good that you want to become a Christian. But we would like to tell you that there's a price to be paid. Why don't you reconsider what you want to do? Because many things can happen to you. You can lose, and you can lose big. They had a three-month class for them to better understand their decision. And he continues on by saying, At the end of this period, many participants declared their desire to be baptized. Typically would respond, It's really nice to become a Christian, but when you give your name tomorrow, the problems will start. Count the costs. Christianity is not easy. It's not cheap. You can be demoted. You can lose your joy. You can lose your friends. You can lose your neighbors. You can lose your kids. But the greatest thing you can lose is your own life. Which brings us to the last point this morning as we think of the third thing that we must do as a follower. We must give everything over to Christ. In verse 33 it says, So therefore... Any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. You see, we notice this theme throughout Scripture. This isn't just something that Jesus said here. But we notice this theme throughout Scripture as Jesus told his disciples, you must leave everything. We see this in Luke chapter 5, verse 11. He said, and when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Luke 5, 28. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Luke 12, 33 says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroy. Luke 18, 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. You see, this is a theme throughout Scripture that we must renounce everything of ourselves to follow Him. So the question for me this morning is, why are we holding on to so much? Why is it that we are just satisfied with being a fan? Why is it that we are just satisfied with going through the motions? Why are we satisfied with just getting by? Getting that fire insurance, we like to say. 
You see, we should want so much more than just a fire insurance because we worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the risen King. And that is the one thing that we know that separates our religion from everything else is that we do have a risen King. So why don't we live that way? Why don't we, why aren't we genuine followers? And like I said, I'm talking to you just as much as I'm talking to myself. Because I think sometimes we get so busy in life that, you know what, we forget the things that are most important. We, we get so caught up in the things of life that we think, you know what, I'm going to put this on the back burner. But you know what, the number one thing that we need to hold on to is our relationship with Christ. And make sure that we feed ourselves. That we make sure that we're in His Word, studying His Word, and that we recognize that, you know what, I want to be a genuine follower. I don't want to be a fan. William McDonald said this, There is no evading the meaning of the words. They do not say a person must be willing to forsake all. Rather, they say he must forsake all. We must give the Lord credit for knowing what he was saying. He realized that a job would never be done in any other way. He wants men and women who esteem him more than everything else in this world. So again, this morning, are you ready to relinquish everything? Are you ready to say, you know what? Here I am, God. Use me. Or are we just like rekindle in the drama? Are we so caught up in going through the motions of church that we don't even recognize when God is talking to us? That God could come there and, and people could come and shake it, but we're so caught up in going through the motions because we want to look good for everybody else in church when we're so far from God. We don't have a relationship with Him. So this morning, how do we apply this to our lives? First of all, Jesus doesn't need any more fans. He's got enough. He needs genuine followers. That's what he needs. He needs me and you to be genuine followers, genuine disciples of his. Secondly, I must love Jesus more than everything else in my life to be a true follower. Do you love him more than everything else? Do I love him more than everything else? You know, that's a hard question to answer. It's challenging. The last point is this. To be a follower of Jesus, I must love my family less than I love Christ. I must bear the cross and follow Christ. And I must give him everything. Again, I know you're not considered youth. But you know what? I, wanted, I want to challenge you this morning, just how I challenged the youth on Friday night. Sign your name at the bottom piece of paper and say, you know what, Christ, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. I want to follow you above everything else. I want you, I want to be used by you. And I don't want to be a fan, but I want to be a follower. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. And Father, I pray this morning that if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, they would come and talk to myself or one of the other leaders after this. Hour. But Father, I also pray for us at the congregation, for us in this room that call ourselves believers, that would call ourselves Christians, Father. I pray that you would help us to be a genuine follower of you. But Father, we won't be any fans, that we will just stick with you when things get rough, that we would recognize that, you know what, in this life we are going to suffer. But we can lean on the everlasting arms of Christ. And we have hope in you. And Father, I pray that you would just be with us as we go throughout this day. Father, we would, not just this day, but throughout this week, that we remember that wherever we go, we are in your presence. Wherever we go, we ought to be worshiping you. This isn't just something we do on a Sunday morning, but this is something that our life should be about, worship. I just pray that you would be with us as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen.